Hello and welcome to the latest DAC Beechcroft's Lawcast. My name is Rod Richards, Head of Business Development for the Claim Solutions Group of DAC Beechcroft. In this episode, Emma Bowens, a partner in the Regulatory Safety Health and Environment team, is joined by Fiona Gill, a fellow partner in the regulatory team, along with Nick Cronius, a partner in our Employment, Pensions and Immigration group, to discuss working with COVID through constantly changing circumstances and the continuing challenges that employers face, all whilst balancing the needs of the business. Hello and welcome to the DAC Beechcraft Safety Net podcast. My name is Emma Bowens. I'm a partner in the regulatory safety health and environment team here at DAC Beechcraft. And throughout the pandemic, we've been advising employers across a broad range of sectors concerning managing COVID risks. Today, I'm joined by two other partners in the firm, Nick Cronius and also Fiona Gill. Welcome to you both. Hi, Emma. Hi, Emma. So recently we were discussing the challenges that employers face when working with COVID. Now, obviously that is something that we are still doing. COVID is very much still with us and employers are still grappling with how to manage the risk. So when the restrictions were lifted in the summer, uh, it was hoped that that would bring some clarity and certainty for employers. But there is still such a, a broad range of challenges, including, for example, you know, how to adopt a consistent approach. So there's so much guidance out there and the challenges are even more complex now that different countries are having to adopt a different approach to restrictions. So we'll talk more about that in a moment. But firstly, Nick, for you, uh, what are some of the main concerns that your clients are raising with you at the moment? A lot of them are an evolution of issues they've been grappling with for some time. So they're still concerned about vaccination, about testing, face covering, proximity and social distancing at work. And and then also their messaging around that, how strongly they pursue it, whether they're mandatory in their language or or whether they take a more permissive approach. Uh, So those are the sort of themes that are coming through. And as well as that, as you've already touched on, there's quite a lot of discussion from our global clients about how they introduce global policies that have a common set of standards, but then respect the fact that there are different restrictions applying in different countries. So, for example, in Scotland, there is still an obligation to wear face masks, although there isn't in England. So they are grappling with how you paint on a a broad canvas to create something that that is a global policy whilst allowing some local deviation from it to ensure that you're complying with local laws. And, and, and another thing that they're grappling with is how that impacts on hybrid working. We, we know that it is a fundamental part of the landscape now for those that are office-based, but the principles around hybrid working and the law are very different in different countries. So for example, in France, essentially there's a law that says employers are basically have to pay to rent space in an employee's home when that person's working from home obviously that's not a concept that we have here so you're not changing the underlying principle that people are working in a hybrid way but you are then having to address how it works in practice and and as well as that 
then they had their sort of bigger questions. Are they going to be prescriptive about the number of days that people might work from home or come into the office when they have to be in the office and the days on, on which they do so? Fiona, I know from the discussions we've had how fluid and dynamic the government's advice has been. What's your take on that? Absolutely, Nick. The position is changing all the time. Um, we are seeing jurisdictions imposing different restrictions. You've already mentioned face masks in Scotland, uh, really in response to rising numbers and local outbreaks. Um, so there's a lot of uncertainty for employers to deal with. It's certainly difficult for an employer with multiple sites around the UK uh, to have a single policy uh, or indeed with sites in Europe where employees are travelling backwards and forwards. We um, know that in England, the position is changing. I mean, the numbers are up. And yesterday, uh, we heard the health secretary talk about, well, currently we're in um, plan A or we're applying plan A in relation to um, the roadmap system we had. COVID is still very unpredictable and the government is ready to act. And if we were to move to plan B, that would probably mean uh, advice again to work from home. Um, indeed, there may be a vaccine passport scheme uh, introduced for larger gatherings and the reintroduction of mandatory face coverings. So we are in a state of flux, which does make life rather difficult for employers. Um, and of course, different rules apply in uh, the other home nations, Northern Ireland, Scotland and Wales. Um, there is very clear guidance really from government, which is on the gov.uk uh, gov website rather, which is kept up to date and changing. So employers do need to be aware of this and also aware of more local guidance. And one thing we have seen since we came out of the majority of the restrictions on the 19th of July is local outbreak um, management plans implemented by local authorities. So for example, in the city of London, um, there is very specific guidance for employers as to what to do uh, in terms of reporting cases, for example, if certain thresholds are met. So in relation to offices, if 10% of the workforce tests positive for COVID in the past 14 days, they're required to report that. So that is something to keep an eye on. Um, but fundamentally, um, although most of the restrictions have been lifted, we're back to the basic principles and complying with legal duties around risk assessment kept up to date good ventilation, good cleaning, um, monitoring visitors and training your workforce. So keeping alive and alert to guidance. Thanks, Fiona. Yeah, as you say, the local authority um, do, there is some local variations in relation to local authorities. And certainly now, um, you know, many of the powers that were vested in the local authorities were withdrawn when the restrictions were lifted. But the local authority has re retained some powers, for example, the power to impose restrictions on either individual premises or in relation to some events or in specific public outdoor places. Now, currently, that power is in place until 24th of March 2022. And as you'd expect, that power can only be used if there is a serious and imminent threat to public health. And of course, the restrictions imposed must be proportionate to manage COVID in that particular local authority area. But, you know, the local authority can close or restrict access to individual premises or events or public outdoor places or even just types of events and types of outdoor places. And that can include restricting capacity or perhaps even restricting access to only those who wear, for example, face coverings. So the, the powers are extensive and it's important that employees are aware of this and the impact that that could have on their business and also to make sure that they're able to demonstrate that they have effective control measures in place. 
I, absolutely, Emma. And also to make sure that they keep documenting that um, and where, for example, they need to depart from guidance because it doesn't um, work or apply to their business, that they document the reasons why they've done that. Um, we know all of that's really important uh, if a regulator does ask about your control measures to be able to demonstrate that. And similarly, in relation to any civil claims coming down the line where someone complains yeah. that they uh, contracted COVID in your workplace. Yeah. Well, we, we've talked quite a bit around guidance in the law. Um, obviously, employers are not islands. They need to take their workforce with them in relation to these measures because they directly impact on them. And Nick, I know this is something you and I have been discussing and working on in the last few months in particular. Indeed, Fiona. So the starting position is that you've got to consult with your workforce and their representatives about your uh, COVID safety uh, and return to work plans or working plans. And at my experience has certainly been where you have unionised workforces, that trade unions have been wary of re-liberalising the rules that the employer might have put in place. So quite a lot of employers are still working with the restrictions they put in place a year or more ago. So th there's a very important exercise in taking people and their representatives with you, making the case, giving reassurance, talking about cleaning, about distancing, about ventilation in the way that you've just talked about, as a way of seeking to put in place more realistic working practices that don't have the sort of restrictions that we've seen. So for example, where clients have had to reorganize their shifts and severely limit the number of staff that they can have within a, a working environment, and that's directly impacting on the business. They're having to work hard to change that and to persuade their people that they put the right measures in place to ensure that they can work in a more normal way, but without compromising on safety. So I can't emphasize enough the importance of that engagement and getting it right and having your facts straight when you're doing it. And so there have been a very broad spectrum of approaches that we're, we're seeing in more general terms. We're seeing sometimes that employers more often than not are encouraging, nudging, rationalizing rather than forcing or requiring. And that's true when it comes to, for example, um, whether people are abiding by hybrid working arrangements. So rather than saying, Jane, you haven't been in the office three days and that's how many days we expect you to be in, they're, they're having conversations that encourage rather than direct. Another sort of dynamic that we're seeing increasingly is, of course, for many of our clients, their employees didn't have a choice but to go into work, for example, within the manufacturing sector. And there were tensions that are being created between those who've been doing that all of the time and those office workers who sometimes the manufacturing staff don't think are being pushed hard enough to take themselves back in the work environment in the way that they have. And we, we've been looking at how employers have been trying to communicate with both groups, addressing that argument and trying to take a consistent approach as far as they can that, uh, that tries to reduce that level of tension. I quite agree. And, and it's so important that you get the employees working with you because you're dependent on their cooperation in relation to the control measures you have in place. Um, and also, of course, um, you want 
you know, to, to have a united front in terms of any regulatory interest in how you're controlling the risk of COVID at work. So, so important. So we've seen some European countries are imposing mandatory vaccinations and some are even imposing lockdowns or restrictions for those that are not vaccinated. Nick, do you think that we'll see a call for compulsory vaccination in this country outside of the health sector, perhaps in other public facing industries? I think the answer is no. The government, Sajid Javed, only over the weekend said there's no government plans to introduce mandatory vaccination in the way that Austria have done. And my sense from many employers is that they're still wary of the no jab type, no job policy that we've seen some employers adopting. So uh, more often than not, employers are using different techniques. Some I know about are basically asking employees to informally inform their line managers whether they've been jabbed or not. So they're not creating data protection issues because there's no actual record being kept of the information, but it's giving the employer a general sense of how many people within the workforce have been jabbed. Other employers are saying, you don't need to come back into the workplace for the moment if you haven't been jabbed, but they're not specifically asking the person the question. And again, that's a that's an interim measure that they're putting in place whilst they make an assessment about how they want to pursue things. So we're seeing quite a few different approaches, but not generally the you've got to do it, otherwise don't bother coming in. I see. And I guess I'm I'm conscious that in this country, you need a COVID passport to go to some theatres, some large events. And I guess some employees will say, well, why shouldn't they ask for this information themselves? What do you what do you say about that? Well, well, I'm not saying they, they can't, but there are risks and issues in doing that, because unlike the example that you're talking about, which is completely voluntary, an employment relationship is hemmed in with contractual and HR obligations, as well as human rights implications, particularly around the right to a private life. And we've got to recognise that there are limitations. Vaccination doesn't prevent transmission, although the evidence seems to be that it has some impact on this, but that evidence is evolving. Um, there's also the consideration that if you take what's being done for healthcare workers, there is the dynamic that you're treating patients. We go into hospital, hopefully, to be treated and to recover, not to come out of the situation worse. So there's an extra reason and justification for mandatory vaccination that doesn't exist where you're perhaps in an office environment. Yeah, okay. This isn't a situation that's static. There is a debate for the future the information is evolving as, as we speak. And for example, we, we don't know what impact boosters will have as, as they're rolled out to the wider population again, as the government has been discussing over the weekend. Yeah, and I, actually, I wanted to ask you, Nick, about hybrid working. We touched on this just earlier, mm. but do you think that we'll get back to full offices again, like we had just before the pandemic? Or you know, is the change that we've seen set to last, do you think? I really think it's here to stay. Um, what we've seen may have been accelerated by the pandemic, most definitely it has been, but there is such a significant move to hybrid. Lots of businesses have adapted 
the size of their workspaces to reflect the fact that we've gone hybrid, that I, I really think that it's likely to be here to stay. Now, that's not to say that there aren't practical challenges around it. So if it's a permanent state of affairs, we need to make sure that there's appropriate DSEs so that people's workstations at home are assessed, that they have the right equipment to work from home, and that any welfare concerns that might arise from them working at home in isolation are addressed. So it's, it's not a case of you move to that arrangement and that's the end of it. You absolutely have to consider safe working practices, as Fiona mentioned earlier on, before you can actually satisfy yourself that what you're doing is appropriate and legally compliant. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think the HSC, in addition to, you know, when they do spot checks on businesses, they're looking at um, COVID risk assessments and also what arrangements you have in place to monitor uh, the mental health and stress levels of the workforce. And of course, all of that will apply in relation to people who are working from home, whom, you know, the same legal duties apply to them as they do if they're in the office. Absolutely. So, Emma, the the million dollar question, if you were trying to capture in a sentence what we've just been saying, what would be the takeaway? Well, from what you've both said, employers need to think more flexibly about COVID restrictions and how to manage the business so the business itself can still work whilst, of course, remaining compliant. Um, Thank you both. That's been a very interesting talk uh, with you today. I expect that we'll probably come back to these subjects in the future, um, but thank you to you both. Now, these are issues that we're advising our clients on on a daily basis. And if you would like to discuss these issues with us, then we'd love to hear from you. All of our contact details are available on our website, so do get in touch. And thank you for listening. <laughs>